Ah, there we go. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to a special edition of A Vision for You. My name is Larry Kay, and I'm uh, the host uh, for the presentation this morning. And today is Sunday, of course, November 27th, 2022. Let me give you the share ID numbers for Friday for November 25th. For the 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting, that number is 19,675. That's 19675. For the 10 a.m. meeting on Friday the 25th, that number is 19,676. That's 19676. This morning, A Vision for You presents the worship of other things. So we're going to hear about the personal transformation of one of our, our dear fellows here as a result of the implementation of the 12 Steps. You know, the, uh, the big book suggests lots of things, right? Uh, one, of, one of the things that it suggests is that through the implementation of the steps, we are going to be afforded access to a power greater than ourselves. And, and, and it's going to be a power of our own understanding, right? And, and that's clear in the big book. And in the process of accessing this power, we're brought into alignment with our creator. And this force, whatever this is, the, you know, that, that you, perhaps beyond human definition, um, in other words, no words can fully capture the essence of this omnipotent power, but it supersedes human explanation, seems and yet the big book flatly declares, here are thousands of men and women who have come to believe in a power greater than themselves. They've taken a simple attitude toward, toward that power, right? And, 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 and they were willing to do certain simple things, the big book tells us. And so as a result of, of, of this, uh, there's been a revolutionary change in their way of living and thinking. You know, all ideas, emotions, and attitudes which once dominated them, they, they become supplanted. They become replaced by new ideas, emotions, and attitudes. And one of the things that happens is the, the, the uh, obsession to binge eat and, and those, those, those related ancillary behaviors are driven out as long as we're in that recovered state. That's, that's the promise. The problem will be solved. And so the big book goes on in the chapter we agnostics. It says, in the face of collapse and despair, in the face of total failure of their human resources, they found that a new power, peace, and happiness, and a sense of direction flowed into them. And this happened, the big book says, soon after they wholeheartedly met a few simple requirements. So what the heck did they do? You know, and what are they still doing today? Well, they're working, the, those simple requirements are working the implementation of the 12 steps. And we get the instructions in this uh, literature that we lovingly refer to as the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And let, but let's face it, you know, we, we worshiped all sorts of things, right? I, I, I certainly know I did. But as the big book concludes, it says, when so many people are able to say that the consciousness of the presence of God is today the most important fact of their lives, that they present a powerful reason why one should have faith. And that's clear uh, to many of us today. And so um, joining us this morning to talk about her you know, personal uh, navigation through the steps and her transformation is Wendy B. from Arizona. 
And Wendy B. is a dedicated uh, member of Overeaters Anonymous. She's committed, to, uh, she's committed to working the 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous and to carrying the message to those who are still suffering. So with that, please uh, uh, join me in welcoming to the line Wendy B. Wendy, good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much, Larry, for your introduction. Um, so my name is Wendy B., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Arizona. Um, so this is my story of, you know, my worship of other things. And, um, and this is just my personal journey. I don't represent a vision for you or OA. Um, this is just my story. And I, I refer to my higher power as the God of the Bible. And I don't mean to offend anyone, you know, who has a different higher power, but this is just my truth. And um, so my sharing this history is about remembering the miracles that God did in my life, um, remembering the things, you know, he set me free from. And on page 68 in the big book, it says, we let God demonstrate through us what he can do. So this is my acknowledgement of the beautiful work that God did and is doing in me. And um, in telling my story, I mean, it's almost like it happened to somebody else. I just feel so changed and forgiven. Um, it just really is a story of transformation. So um, the big book has several passages in We Agnostic that speak to my story. On page 54, um, it says, had we not variously worshiped people, sentiments, things, money, ourselves. How much of these feelings, these loves, these worships have to do with pure reason? Were not these things the tissue out of which our lives were constructed? Did not these feelings, after all, determine the course of our existence? And then on page 55, it says, deep down in every man, woman, and child is the fundamental idea of God. It may be obscured by calamity, by pomp, by worship of other things, but in some form it is there. So um, my story begins in the incubator. When I was born three months premature, during a time when preemies weren't held, and um, so at some point during my healing journey, God took me back in my memory through that time of my birth and revealed the root of my feelings of being unloved and abandoned. And, um, you know, my need for, for touch and bonding went unmet. Um, my cries weren't heard or responded to. Um, I built up emotional walls and rejected everyone, including God, you know, because he didn't meet my needs how I wanted them met. And, um, you know, he met me in that memory and spoke to my heart saying he wasn't just standing from a distance and watching me suffer, but that he was inside of me feeling my pain. You know, I, I was not alone like I thought I was. And um, just because of my traumatic birth experience, I had a tremendous need for seeking security in external things. Um, and I didn't learn until later you know, that there's no real security in the things of this world, you know, that, that everything is temporary and constantly changing. And only God, the creator, doesn't change. He's the solid rock, you know, the firm foundation I can build on. In We Agnostics on page 46, it says, it, it, um, God is referred to as the creative intelligence. 
a, a spirit of the universe underlying the totality of things. And, and that confirms my belief, you know, that he holds all things together. So um, I grew up in an alcoholic home with two sisters, one older and one younger. Uh, my mom was a, a closet drinker until several years ago when she died of alcoholism. Um, and we didn't have good role models to learn problem solving. Uh, my parents and us kids were just always fighting and arguing and blaming. And I carried that into my marriage and continued the cycle with my kids. I did a lot of yelling and blaming my husband. Um, I, I didn't learn problem-solving skills until I came into program later in life. Um, we also didn't learn about boundaries. Uh, my sisters and I were always taking things from each other without permission and trying to hurt each other physically. Um, we were just enmeshed in a cycle of, of unmet needs and reacting to each other. And, um, you know, they, like me, were just, were just trying to get their needs met, you know? And um, so then in How It Works on page 62, it says, we stepped on the toes of our fellows and they retaliated. Sometimes they hurt us seemingly without provocation, but we invariably find that sometime in the past we have made decisions based on self, which later placed us in a position to be hurt. And that sums up my childhood with my sisters accurately. You know, we were just always reacting to each other. And um, so I didn't learn about boundaries in, until I got into therapy in my 30s, and, and it was just life-changing. Um, I learned that mine and other people's bodies were off limits unless invited in. Um, I learned I, I'm not responsible for other people's reactions or their feelings, and they aren't responsible for mine. Um, I, I learned I'm responsible for, for getting my own needs met, you know, that my expectations of others reading my mind and meeting my needs was unrealistic. <clears throat> And so um, since this is an OA meeting, I'm going to be talking about my history with food. And so food was just always important in my childhood. Um, we spent our allowance money on candy and sugary drinks. Um, I always needed something in my mouth, uh, candy, gum, or my fingernails. I bit my nails so far down that they would bleed. And, um, you know, my anxiety was just evident for all to see by looking at my fingernails. I was just ashamed. And um, God later freed me from my nail-biting obsession, you know, when I let go of the food and the need for um, something always in my mouth just disappeared. And, you know, I was just always looking for something on the outside to help me feel secure. And candy just gave me that instant gratification. You know, it gave me a few moments of pleasure, you know, a sense that all was well. And I didn't um, learn that it was a poison to my system until I surrendered to God, you know, how, how God wanted me to care for, you know, and be a good steward of my body, you know, that my body's a gift. And, and now I take it seriously, the responsibility to nourish it correctly. And so um, I was always comparing myself with others, my older sister or my neighbor kids, you know, I was trying to be thinner, prettier, better, trying to change myself to be what someone else wanted me to be. Um, you know, it was all this, this outward focus to gain acceptance and accolades. 
by how I looked or behaved. Um, I was always striving for acceptance, you know, but never feeling like I attained it. I felt like an outsider, you know, that I, I didn't belong. I was on the outskirts looking in. And um, my mother always just gave me this look of disapproval, um, you know, and I always felt shamed. You know, I, I later learned she was just unhappy and dissatisfied with her lot in life, and it showed on her face. You know, but at the time, you know, I thought it was about me, you know, so I was, I felt shamed, you know, so I was unable to look people in the eye, and I was, I always felt less than. Um, I had a fear of authority figures. My um, inability to look people in the eye has now been replaced by confidence, you know, that I'm, I'm not less than anyone else, you know, we're all equals in the sight of God. You know, I learned people in authority over me now are still my equals, you know, they just have a different role to play, you know, and they need my input and my voice needs to be heard so they can do their job of making good decisions for those under their authority. And um, I learned to accept, you know, with grace, the outcome of, of decisions, you know, I can accept them, you know, as God's will, like it says in the big book in, um, into action on page 84 it says we cease fighting anything or anyone so i can just surrender you know and i've learned to detach and step back and and just watch god's will unfold and um god's helped me you know accept myself and others as unique individuals created by a loving god you know he made us to fulfill a unique purpose he has planned for each of us and on page 68, it says, we're in the world to play the role he assigned, you know, and I, I learned I'm, I'm interfering if I try to change anyone else. On page 78, it says, never try to tell others what they should do. Their faults are not discussed. So I get to take a loving and tolerant view of others, you know, and God's helping me do that. And so um, my parents were always working, um, so we were left on our own a lot. I was um, looking for approval from my older sister, wanting her to include me in with her friends. Instead, I got scapegoated and blamed. Um, she wasn't on my side. You know, I had no sense of safety with her, and, but I kept pursuing her. And in looking back, you know, I realized she couldn't give me what she didn't have. You know, she was just a kid, too, just trying to survive herself. And, but, you know, my pattern of, of going to the hardware store for a loaf of bread, you know, that's a common metaphor heard in our, our meetings, was set in motion. You know, I, I tended to pursue relationships with unavailable people. Um, I was always trying to wrest satisfaction, happiness out of this world from people who didn't have it to offer. Uh, my best friend was a girl who made fun of me. Um, I was pursuing the friendship, but it was pretty one-sided. Um, one memorable experience with her was a feeling of euphoria I got when, when we got to go to a fast food restaurant by ourselves. Um, you know, I was just giddy with the feeling of freedom, you know, to be able to order whatever I wanted with no supervision, you know. And it seemed mutual. It felt like, you know, real camaraderie. I was just so happy. It, that was my combination that gave me the sense that all was well, junk food and someone to share it with. And um, 
you know, I constantly try to recreate that feeling of euphoria, chasing it, like the big book says in the doctor's opinion, you know, about how we, we like the effect and the sensation is elusive. And um, how it works on page 63, it says, an effect, sometimes a very great one was felt at once, referring to um, taking step three and surrendering to God, you know, and he gives us the effect we're chasing, you know, that we're trying to get from other things. And um, so I had a, a similar experience with my younger sister. We, we sneakily climbed out the bedroom window in the rain and went to 31 Flavors Ice Cream Parlor across a, a busy street by ourselves. And I was just giddy, you know. I had, I, I had this sense of relish in doing the forbidden to, um, you know, we were breaking the rules together. You know, I had a, a, a love-hate relationship with the rules. I wanted to be perfect, you know, and follow the rules so I could get approval. But I also wanted to break the rules, you know, so I could get my fix. Um, so I, I was pretty active when I was young. Um, swimming, riding bikes, roller skating. Um, I didn't just start putting on weight until high school. And then I ballooned up maybe 20 or 30 pounds. And I carried most of it in my hips. My sisters and I were teased and, and called the butt sisters. Um, me and my sisters would have contests trying to lose weight by starving ourselves. And I just really resented the fact that other kids could eat whatever they wanted and not gain weight, you know. And and my obsession to try to control the way what I ate affected my body started. Um, I started yo-yo dieting later when I moved away from home and was out from under my parents' authority. Um, I tried bulimia for a while, but I liked using laxatives and enemas better to try to control my weight. Um, I damaged my digestive system, and it still doesn't work very efficiently now. Um, I got into health food religiously. You know, I was always hoping to find some magic pill, some diet, some way to con combine food, you know, that, that would just allow me to eat whatever I wanted and still lose weight. And um, I abused my body. My goal wasn't to be healthy, but to be thin. And um, later when I came into program, I surrendered to the way God designed my body, to to metabolize food. Um, you know, I accepted the laws of nature, you know, that God set in motion, that you can't eat more than your body burns or you'll gain weight, you know, and that just seems so simple and obvious now, you know, but I just fought it tooth, tooth and nail. Um, you know, I didn't want the truth. You know, I wanted to believe the lies. Um, so that statement um, brings me to my church experiences of believing lies. Um, as a family, we started going to church, I think probably when I was in junior high. Um, I thought I was a Christian, but I didn't really have a relationship with God. Um, I just said the prayer, you know, at the Good News Club where they give you a candy bar for saying it. And, you know, but I never felt the Holy Spirit in me, you know, giving me the willingness and the desire to do God's will. Um, to me, Christianity was all about following the rules and being good. Um, I became very self-righteous. Uh, you know, my focus on food continued as there was many potlucks and always candy as rewards for good behavior. Um, but during high school, you know, I wanted to go deeper in my faith. Um, I started thinking 
my mom's church was dry and boring. Um, I started going with my older sister to Bible studies with fringe groups she found out about. Um, you know, I wanted to belong to the in group, um, to be in something better than the mundane, normal churches. And um, these groups were offering me something more and different. Um, you know, they, they seemed to really be walking with God. I wasn't, though. Um, I wasn't willing to give up control. Um, my idea of God was still a punishing God, you know, who might send me to Africa if I let him direct my life. Um, you know, I didn't know how to hear from God either. Um, I didn't know how to tell his voice, you know, from the rest of the clamoring voices in my head. Um, in my senior year of high school, I didn't feel ready to, to become a responsible adult and make decisions that would affect the rest of my life. Um, you know, I wanted a sure outcome. You know, I didn't want to make a mistake that I would regret. You know, I was, I was afraid of the consequences of making wrong choices. Um, you know, and I'm just so grateful for knowing a loving God now. You know, he, he's my father and I'm his child. Um, he patiently comes alongside me and helps me learn from my mistakes. You know, he uses them for my good to, to teach me and help me grow. Um, so, you know, at that time I was ripe for joining this group my sister joined that, that I later found out was a cult. Um, this was the beginning of my religious addiction and man worship. Um, they had apostles and prophets, just like the New Testament. Um, they laid hands on me and said a few accurate things about my past, and, and I just bought what they were selling, hook, line, and sinker. Um, you know, I didn't have to make hard decisions about my future. I didn't have to struggle to hear from God. You know, I gave that responsibility to the leaders. Um, they became God to me and, and directed the decisions for my life. Um, I got to stay immature and irresponsible just like I wanted. Um, you know, I also got to feel special. You know, I wanted to be one of the elite, you know, part of this chosen end time remnant. And, and my arrogance was just really hooked in. Um, I broke ties with my blood family. Um, they were devalued in my mind. And I gave my allegiance to my new church family. Um, I, I came to really regret that lost time with my real family. As my father died shortly after I left the cult. Um, it was sad. <laughs> And um, so the leaders were saying, you know, the rules no longer apply to them, that they were breaking out of the religious mold, you know, of the old order churches. They promoted drinking and smoking and swearing and things my previous church affiliation frowned on. You know, and I loved breaking the rules. You know, I embraced these indulgences wholeheartedly. Um, I liked the emphasis on health food that the church promo promoted. Um, and I changed my diet to what I thought was the right way to eat. Uh, I was very just black and white in my thinking. We were right, and the rest of the world was wrong. Um, and when I finally left the group many years later, I was just so relieved to, to rejoin the human race again, you know, to be, just be one among many, you know, no more pressure to be something elite and special. And on page um, 129 in the family afterwards, it talks about how an alcoholic can get an overinflated sense of self and get distorted in their thinking 
and they need to think of themselves as just an average man. And you know, I am just so grateful for getting right-sized in program. Um, so back to my story, uh, I married and later had two daughters and I forced my latest eating fads on them. Um, my girls developed digestive issues and phobias around food later, you know, be- because of my obsession. Um, my husband was a long distance runner and always stayed in shape. Um, I always felt fat next to him, you know, so I, I didn't let myself gain too much weight. I went up and down maybe the same 30 pounds. Um, my, my second marriage was to a fellow compulsive overeater who was heavier than me. And at the time, you know, I liked not having the pressure to stay thin. You know, we were binge buddies. And I'm still married to him today. And we survived the transition of me joining program, becoming a vegan, and getting healthy. Um, he doesn't want to join me. Uh, he can't face the deprivation he would feel, you know, if he gave up his addictive foods. You know, but that's his story, and, and it's not my place to tell it or judge him. Um, it's my place to just accept him and love him as he is. Um, he still identifies out, but he supports me, and he doesn't give me a hard time. And, and, and I'm blessed, <laughs> you know. So back to my cult story, um, I was constantly trying to win the favor and accolades of the leaders, but they were unreachable. Um, we had them up on a pedestal above us. We served the leaders of the church religiously to the detriment of our kids. Um, all our free time when we weren't at work was was spent at church, cleaning, preparing meals, going to services, and all-night prayer meetings. Um, I was constantly striving to find my purpose, you know, my niche, you know, but it, it eluded me. Um, I finally found it when I came into program and changed my career, and, and I'll talk more about that later. Um, you know, so we, we, almost, we had almost no time to spend at home nurturing our kids, and they were neglected. Um, their needs were put aside for a so-called greater purpose. Um, I deferred my responsibilities to teach and train them over to the church school um, leaders. Um, the cult was very outward focused, you know, how you looked. Um, we didn't have real friendships. It was a, a fake existence of behaving well, following the rules, and trying to be little clones of the leaders. Um, if you voiced doubt about what was being taught, you were publicly humiliated and labeled bad and excommunicated. And um, you know, it was just very important that our kids behaved well and represented us well. Um, my older daughter's um, strong will needed to be broken. And I, I abused her, trying to force her to be compliant. Um, my kids suffered a lot of emotional abuse, you know, emotional problems, you know, later because of the, the way I raised them, you know, but it's, it's not my place to tell their story either. Um, after I came into program, I made my amends to them both, um, my deep sorrow and regret, you know, at the damage I caused them was acknowledged and forgiven. Um, you know, my changed personality and behavior was received, you know, and I have good relationships with them both now. Um, we have honest sharing and vulnerability. Um, they still struggle in their relationship with each other as I set them up to compete with each other. You know, I labeled one as bad and the other good. 
um, you know, they, they see themselves as hurt and misunderstood by each other. And um, I'm praying someday their issues will be resolved. Um, I try to be a good listener, um, to stay neutral and to not take sides, you know, and to not give unasked for advice. Um, Okay, so, you know, at one point, you know, the leaders of our group got cancer and was dying. Um, We all started eating live um, raw foods to support his alternative health regime. Um, I've always been extreme in my eating habits, so it came easy to me. Um, When he died, instead of having resurrection life, like we were told, um, I started getting disillusioned. Um, I had lost my higher power. So I started looking for a sufficient substitute. Um, I was in an artistic field of work, and there was a lot of drug use. Um, As we started spending less time at church, we made friends at my work. Um, We started going to parties and smoking pot. Um, We left the kids with different relatives to go off and indulge ourselves. Um, We still went to church, but just not as regularly. Um, I I loved getting high, you know, and changing my perception of reality. I I became obsessed with another addiction, you know, a way to escape the discomfort of my life, a way to escape the guilt. And um, it felt like I could have heaven on earth, you know, euphoria when I was high. Um, You know, since we had already crossed the taboos of Christian conduct, this seemed okay. Um, my oldest daughter started seeing demons in the quarter, corner of her room at night. Um, she would cry out for help, pounding on my bedroom door, but I was too high or drunk, you know, and unavailable. Um, I believe our drug use and our cultic beliefs opened the door to evil spirits invading our home. Um, she tried to run away several times. Um, she was miserable. Um, Then my husband received a spiritual conviction that doing drugs is is wrong, and he quit. Um, And I I didn't want to take responsibility for supplying the drugs myself, you know, and getting high alone, so I I quit too. Um, We confessed our behavior to our shepherds and recommitted ourselves to the church. Um, And then a little while later, a miracle happened. Um, My husband and I both started feeling dissatisfied we started having a hunger for the truth. I mean, someone must have been praying for us. Um, We started reading the Bible, you know, for the first time in years, and the words were just jumping off the pages. And and I had that same experience of the words jumping off the pages later in my life when I got into the big book, um, you know, on page, uh, and we agnostics on page 57, it says, we draw near to him and he discloses himself to us. And that was my experience. You know, him, he just revealed himself. And um, the truths were just coming alive. And, and we could see clearly where the church was off base in so many areas. You know, the blinders were, were taken off our eyes. And we saw our whole lives as being based on lies. Um, you know, all those years we thought we were serving God. And, and we realized it was just man worship. You know, it was all wasted time, and and God was not being glorified. His place was being usurped. And um, I I realized the leaders were just mere men, you know, nothing special or set apart. You know, they only had status because we gave it to them. 
um, it's like God on my face in my closet before God, and, and he showed me all my bad choices. You know, the motives of my heart were, were revealed to me, and he enabled me to see the truth. Um, the mess I made of my life, you know, trying to run it on self-will was just very evident. Um, I had been trying to run from responsibility and accountability, uh, basically running from God. Um, I, I repented and had a, a cleansing salvation experience. You know, I, I took a shower afterwards and sensed God washing me clean, you know, white as snow, and I, I felt forgiven. You know, and, and God just gave me a new start at life. Um, you know, I still had to live with the consequences of all my bad choices, but um, God enabled me to accept that responsibility, and, and he helped guide me to solutions. Um, on page 64 in How It Works, it says, when the spiritual malady is overcome, we straighten out mentally and physically. Um, and that happened slowly for me. You know, it was a process of addressing one issue at a time, you know, that was out of alignment and, and surrendering it. Um, you know, we, we walked away from the cult uh, and cut ties, you know, with that church family and that we had known for over a decade. Um, we were left trying to survive in a codependent relationship with, with no decision-making skills, um, no conflict resolution skills. Uh, you know, we no longer had the buffer of the leaders making decisions for us. You know, we didn't know how to compromise, you know, and how to come to joint decisions. Um, I was still legalistic in my thinking and in my approach to following the rules in the Bible. Um, I was trying to force myself to comply with all the shoulds. I ended up having a nervous breakdown because I couldn't reconcile my real feelings with the shoulds. Um, the statement that, that a wife shouldn't leave her husband made me feel like I had no choice. You know, I was stuck. Um, I, I didn't love my husband the way he was. I wanted him to change, you know, so I could be happy. And um, when the truth started dawning on me that he wasn't going to change, you know, I didn't want to live with him. You know, I knew that I would either kill him or me, you know, so I eventually left him, and several years later, we got a divorce. I learned later that um, Jesus, who's my higher power, um, came to set me free from the bondage of the rules, you know, that now I get to accept my humanity and live in the freedom of his grace. On page um, 77, it says, we don't shy away from the subject of God when it will serve a good purpose, we are willing to announce our convictions with tact and common sense. So I trust I'm doing that. Um, you know, I was, I was worshiping the rules, and, and now I'm learning to follow Jesus and not the rules. So I got into counseling by this time. Um, in working with others on page 89, it says, um, ministers and doctors are competent and you can learn much from them if you wish. And I think that would include therapists. Um, my therapist had a cult background, and she helped me get a lot of healing, replacing all the lies I believed with the truth. Um, it was a very painful process, a lot of soul-searching and digging for the roots. Um, the big book says in We Agnostics on page 51, 
men's minds were fettered with superstition, tradition, and all sorts of fixed ideas. And that was me. Um, you know, it took a lot of work to undo the damage um, believing lies did to me. Um, my therapist helped me learn how to make decisions, and she validated my ability to cope with life. Um, she also suggested 12-step recovery, um, but I wasn't ready yet. I, I went through a few more short-term relationships. Um, I was desperate to, to not have to face life alone. Um, I also wasn't ready to give up drinking or binge eating yet. Um, so my daughters were passed back and forth between me and my ex-husband. Um, they were also struggling to assimilate into the world. They tried out new rebellious behaviors. Um, they both have different struggles stemming from the dysfunction they were born into. But God is good, you know, in bringing healing to us all. Um, after ruining a few more relationships, I, I finally became willing to quit drinking, and I, I started in a local Christian-based 12-step program in 2000. And um, then I met and married my second husband. Um, he had a cult background also, so we understood each other and are compatible. Um, he isn't a drinker. He said he would leave me if I ever started drinking again. And um, we moved to Sedona in 2001, and I started attending women's AA meetings. Um, I, I proceeded to try to change my husband and, you know, to mold him how I wanted him to be. Um, he wasn't cooperating, you know, and I decided I needed to join CODA and Al-Anon. Um, I also started going to the local rooms of OA. Um, I started dealing with my instant gratification, always wanting more and escaping from responsibilities, tendencies. Um, you know, I started to learn how to live life on life's terms and not try to escape or use substances to change my reality. Um, later in recovery, because I was able to quit drinking without getting a sponsor or working the steps, I, I started to think that my real addiction was to sugar and the alcohol. Um, I spent a few years of just going to meetings, using Weight Watchers as my food plan, but never really working the steps. Um, the statement I heard that I identified with was um, using OA as a diet plan with group support. And um, so I was active in 12-step for about four years. Um, then my husband's business folded, and we sold our home and bought an RV and started to travel, and I let my programs go. Um, I relapsed for eight years. I had never let go of the sugar while doing Weight Watchers, and, and it consumed me again. Um, my lurking notion was I thought I could just eat whatever I wanted and let myself gain weight, you know, and at some point the weight would level off, you know, and I would just learn to love and accept myself fat. And um, the problem was it just never leveled off. I just kept gaining and gaining. Um, I stepped on the scale at just under 200 and, and realized it wasn't working. Um, I could barely walk my dog out on the trails. Um, I could barely lift myself up on a, out of a ditch. You know, I had to crawl on all fours, and it was just humiliating, and I, and I was miserable. You know, and I was making my husband miserable. Um, we had moved back to Arizona to 
support my daughter um, who was going through a divorce. And um, I started working at a restaurant in Sedona in their bakery. Um, I was eating a lot of the products, you know, that were meant for the customers. And at one point, I just got really sick. Um, I was just throwing up for weeks. I couldn't work. I couldn't get out of bed. And it just really scared me. Uh, I thought I was dying. Um, you know, I had never been that sick before. You know, I always took my health for granted. And um, so my husband went out of town for a few months, you know, for a job. And I took that time to overhaul my food and my lifestyle. Um, I went on a, a detox cleanse to get all the poisons out of my body. Um, I started reading books on veganism, on how to heal your body. Uh, I, I felt God directing me to embrace a, a plant-based food plan, um, eating whole foods and avoiding refined sugars and starches and junk food. And I started losing weight, you know, and getting healthy. Um, but the obsession and the craziness in my head were still there, you know, and I was still miserable. Um, I had stopped my antidepressants and my high cholesterol meds and all my feelings were, were no longer numb, you know, from the food and the antidepressants. Um, I didn't get free from the obsession until later when I found A Vision for You and did the steps through the big book. Um, so when we were working in Kansas that winter, I got desperate enough to try OA again. Um, I sought out a meeting in a neighboring town, and I started going to meetings again. Um, we were walking like 15 miles a night on that job, and, and I lost the weight fast. Um, when the job was over, we came back to this area, and I reconnected in all the local meetings here, and I got a sponsor and started working the steps, um, you know, and surrendering to the concept of being accountable to a sponsor um, was hard for me, you know, because of giving my power away to the leaders in the cult. Um, I learned that sponsors are just guides. They don't make decisions for you. They don't define you or your abstinence, you know, and you're, you're still the authority over your own body. And, um, you know, I, so I identified, you know, my addictive foods and I got abstinent and I started feeling a little less crazy, uh, more content with my life. Um, I went to the doctor and he said I was in perfect health. Um, he did all my blood work and, that I was getting all the proteins and vitamins and nutrients I needed and to keep doing what I was doing, you know, embracing, you know, I embraced weighing and measuring my food and committing it to a sponsor and, you know, I just eliminating all the guesswork and adding structure, but I still wasn't happy. Um, you know, I, I started listening to phone meetings and I started hearing about emotional sobriety. Um, I kept listening and I, I heard what was being what being recovered and neutral sounded like. And I knew I didn't have it. I just had abstinence. Um, my focus was still all on the food, how to control it. Um, you know, and then I felt like a fraud calling myself a sponsor, you know, in the local rooms. I, I felt like I was blind leading the blind. Um, I heard the statement in A Vision for You on page 164, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. And it just set a fire in me to get the recovery I heard on the line. Um, I wanted it more than anything else. And, and everyone said it was available to anyone who was willing to do the work. So in 2017, um, I let go of my 
participation in the local rooms, and I, I jumped into Vision for You with both feet. I got a sponsor, and I worked the steps, and I got recovered and started giving away what I received. Um, so, you know, I, I've covered what it was like and what happened, and so now I'll share what it's like today. Um, my program now is, is living in steps 10, 11, and 12. Um, I start my day going through my big book prayers before I get out of bed. Um, I have my devotional time while I'm eating my breakfast. Uh, I practice two-way prayer. And, and it's just so reassuring to me that God is speaking and I'm hearing. Um, you know, I'm not walking this path alone. God is with me. You know, and I have all my fellows for support. Um, I respond to my sponsees' 11 steps nightly reviews, and I read their feedback on mine. And, you know, it's just a good way to stay in contact, you know, between calls. And um, I listen to a meeting before work if, if the time works out. You know, I try to be live on the meeting every day, but, you know, it doesn't always happen. And, you know, I'm just so grateful for recorded meetings. And um, my work schedule varies from day to day. I, I'm an in-home caregiver and I work with dementia clients, and, and God changed my career in recovery. You know, he called me to this work, um, you know, and I know I'm right where he wants me, where I'm most useful. And uh, I get a lot of satisfaction from my job being needed, you know, so, so I struggle with overworking. Um, I put in a lot of hours working long shifts, and, um, you know, but sometimes my clients take naps, you know, and I can do program work or or take calls, and my sponsees know, you know, I might need to hang up at any time, you know, if my client needs me. And, um, you know, I keep a notebook with me, you know, so I can write down anything that needs to be addressed, you know, in my 10th step or my nightly review. And um, on my days off, you know, I can take more calls and do program work. I, I usually prep for meetings that are coming up or prep for calls with my sponsees. Um, after we finish going through the big book steps together, um, we continue our calls, only not as frequently, and, and go through other material like Two Wives or the stories in the back of the book or the AA 12 and 12, you know, or any other program book you know, we want to go through together. Um, on my days off, I, I spend with my family. Um, I try to live my ideals in all my relationships. On page um, 77, into action, it says, our real purpose is to fit ourselves to be of maximum service to God and the people about us. And that's my goal, you know, to live out these principles in all my affairs. Um, I do a, a thorough nightly review, um, adding in gratitudes and God shots and growth. And I also add in gems, you know, that I gleaned from the meetings. Um, and I'm frequently changing it up, you know, to meet my current needs. Um, I send my nightly reviews to my sponsor. Um, she sends me hers too, and, and we have occasional update calls. Um, on um, in interaction on page 80, 87, it says, "Be quick to see where religious people are right. Make use of what they offer." So I, I participate in also in a, a Bible-based 12-step meetings. Um, in two wives and the family afterwards, you know, we're given a lot of helpful advice on how to live peacefully with others. 
um, on page 118, it says, we women carry with us a picture of the ideal man, the sort of chap we would like our husbands to be. You know, so, so I'm not alone in my struggle with wanting to change others, you know, so I can be more comfortable. Um, I've found help and support in meetings that address Al-Anonic issues using the big book. Um, I can give you more information about those on a private call. Um, I seem to be getting what I need, you know, from working a rigor, rigorous program in OA and Al-Anon. Um, and I found I, I can get my security and my comfort needs met by God, by knowing God is with me, you know. Um, I've learned to take my needs to him, you know, so I'm no longer looking to get them met from others. You know, I'm able to give to others out of the overflow of my relationship with God. Um, you know, I have to be filled in order to have something to give away. On page 45 in the Agnostics, it says, the main object of this book is to enable you to find a power greater than yourselves, which will solve all your problems. And um, as I'm learning to rely on him moment by moment, you know, I find him directing my days and guiding me to answers. And, you know, I'm just so grateful for this program and, and the new life it gives me, um, you know, for the recovery and the promises coming true in my life. Um, again, I, I want to repeat that this is just my personal story, and I don't re represent anybody but myself. And, um, you know, and I pray that it helps someone listening. You know, the big book says in the family afterwards on page 132 that, uh, we've recovered and have been given the power to help others. So that's my goal. Um, you know, and I want to thank you all for, for walking this journey with me. Um, I appreciate you all very much. And I'm done. Thank you for letting me share my story. Uh, thank you, Wendy, so much. Thank you for your vulnerability and your honest and very transparent uh, story of transformation, and we, we we appreciate your your generosity and willingness to be helpful to uh, to the fellowship. So we're going to now transition to a question and answer uh, phase of the program. And so what I'm going to ask you to do is, if you have a question for Wendy B from Arizona, uh, go ahead and give me unmute by pressing star one and give me your first name and last initial, and we'll uh, we'll take some questions for Wendy. Who would like to Margaret D. Margaret? Margaret D. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Rhonda Judy L. Rhonda. Judy N. Judy. Charles H. Charles. Anybody else? And again, it's star one if you want to uh, unmute yourself. Chris G. And we got Chris G. Danae F. Was that Danae? Did I get that right? Yes. With a D? With a D. With a B or a D? A D as in darling. Okay, Danae. Okay, I got it. Thanks, Danae. All right, that's a good lineup here. We'll see where we're at after uh, after the first round here. And we, we generally go to the top of the hour. Uh, we don't go beyond that typically. So we'll see where we're at. Um, why don't we start with uh, Margaret D's question followed by Rhonda. Margaret, good morning. 
Good morning and happy birthday. And oh my gosh, thank you so much for your talk. Oh my gosh. Um, yes, you you definitely helped one person. Um, so my question is, how did you and how do you still deal with that inborn sense of competitiveness which you learned from your family? Well, from from the parental upbringing. That, that seems to be pretty clear, Margaret. Um, so go ahead, and Wendy, if you can unmute yourself again, because we're not hearing yeah, thank you. thank you. <laughs> Sorry. There you are. <laughs> That's Hitting okay. the mute button. Okay. So, Margaret, D., um, how, did, how do I deal with the inborn sense of competitiveness? Um, I just keep surrendering it to God. <laughs> um, it, it hasn't disappeared. Uh, it has lessened. Uh, you know, somewhere it, it talks about, you know, where things are, are decreasing and lessening, and that's um, progress. Um, you know, doing 10 steps helps, you know, anytime it comes up. You know, a lot of the, you know, childhood stuff still gets triggered, um, you know, and I have to just take it to God and, you know, try to pinpoint the truth in the situation, you know, and um, that's all I got. Thank you so much. Uh, yeah, th thanks uh, for the question, Margaret. Okay, we got help, help me, Rhonda, followed by Judy. <laughs> Good morning, Rhonda. How are you? Good morning, Larry. How are you? Um, this is Rhonda. Good. And good morning to Wendy, and thank you so much. Uh, my name is Rhonda. I'm a compulsive reader from Toronto, Canada. And Wendy, you were so amazing. Like The way you just shared your story in such honesty was um so beautiful. And one thing you said, always wanting to break the rules, that really um, resonated with me always my entire life. So I think everybody could probably relate to that. The question I have for you is that um, I also have two daughters. And I was just wondering, like, how do you live with the guilt of the past? Um, I know, you know, you said that you your behavior and the circumstances inflicted um you know the way your ch your children followed you, and um, how do you not see yourself when you see them? Like even though I've made amends with my children, I still have a very huge feeling of guilt um, about things from the past. So I was just wondering how you deal with that and how you've made peace with that um, within yourself. Uh Thank you for that question. Um, I don't know. I mean, God just, I just feel forgiven. Uh, you know, I, I, when I was honest about everything I did, you know, and I wrote them, you know, my amends letters, you know, in detail, you know, everything, my mm -hmm. motives, you know, all this. And, um, and they received it and they forgave me. You know, I, I think it's part of it because I'm just so different now. I'm no longer repeating right. the behaviors, um, you know, that God really has done a miracle work in you know, and transforming me and, um, and they see it. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm just no longer living how I was. You know, and, and, and you were able about, to forgive yourself. Sorry, go yeah. ahead. Yeah, and, okay. and the big book talks about how we, we 
are able to um, look people in the eye now. You know how right. how I don't know. We can just um, yeah, just I'm forgiven. Yeah. Right, and, oh, you. and I also can see it as as uh, God allowed them to be my daughters. God allowed them this journey. Um, you know. For, for his purposes. So for w- whatever he's doing in their lives, they needed to go through what I put them through. Um, right. Just part of their process now. Rhonda, thank, thanks so much for the question. And Wendy, thank you for the answer on that. So next up, we'll go with uh, Judy, followed by Charles. Judy, good morning. Good morning. Um, first of all, Happy birthday, Larry. Thank you for your service. Thank you. And Wendy, thank you so much for sharing your story. And uh, what stands out to me is that you have such a close relationship today with your higher power. And I I was wondering if you could tell me exactly how you go about doing your two-way prayer. I think two-way prayer might be an outside issue um, because it's it's not in the big book. So, so maybe you could call me privately. Yeah, that that sounds reasonable. Uh, that that yeah. sounds reasonable. So, Judy, if you would do that, we'll have uh, we'll have Wendy's contact information after the uh, after the recorded portion here. So okay. Thank you very do, much. Okay. Th- yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Judy. And it's reasonable to to ask her. Um, next up, we got Chuck. Hey, Charles, followed by Chris G. What's up, Charles? Hey, thanks, Larry, for your service. Thank you, Wendy. You knocked it out of the ballpark. Um, so I got a, a question for you. How how did your how did Al-Anon help your ratchetness and reluctancy to authority, and as well as the same old ten step with family members? Can you repeat that question? I'm sorry, Charles. I, yeah. I so how, how 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 did Al-Anon help you with your ratchetness and reluctancy um, and rebelliousness to to um, your family members and to ten steps that 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 are recurring over and over? How did it help you to become the wonderful person you are today? Well, I'm thinking Al-Anon might be an outside issue, too, because this is an OA well, meeting. So not even, because Al-Anon is in the big book, and you mentioned Oh, yeah. Oh, that's right. Speech, that's right. Your thoughts. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Um, just, I, I think just the 10 steps just really help. Um, you know, when I finally get to the root of issues and um, – you know, do inventories on, on reoccurring uh, resentments and stuff that you finally get down to the bottom line and um, able to accept the truth and embrace uh, change in my attitude, you know. So I don't know. God is all, like, changing the way I think even, you know. I, it's, it's a beautiful process of transformation that God does in us 
when we face the truth and, and let go of the lies and um, just embrace a changed way of thinking. I hope that helps. Yeah, th- yeah. Th- thanks for the question, Charles. Thanks, Wendy. Okay, next up we have Chris G. with the question, followed by Danae. Chris, good morning. Hey, thank you. Thank you so much, Wendy, and, and just wonderful share. Uh, I, I, I have a question about the, uh, well, when, when I got, okay, before I got into OA, I thought my solution was self-hate. If I gained weight, then I needed to hate myself more and beat myself up more. I want to hear more about the rule following and how you got away from rule following. And how, how do I tell my, um, how, do, how do I explain it to my sponsees that the acceptance of self and others, how do you explain that? Um, so I'm, I'm naturally a rule follower. Um, you know, it's just like ingrained in me. So, so I just have to spend a lot of time, you know, with God in my quiet time, you know, trying to listen to his directives, you know, and, and follow his guidance in any specific situation instead of just relying on the rules, um, like all the shoulds, you know, that I learned in, in childhood and stuff. And, and um, you know, and, and the shoulds aren't necessarily God. Um, you know, God, he, he breaks the rules sometimes. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it sounds her, 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 like heresy, <laughs> you know, but... Um, Okay, so I forgot your second question already. Explain to to Sponsi acceptance. I think just by by living it myself, um, you know, accepting, coming to acceptance. You know, it's it's not like I'm always accepting everything. I have to do ten steps and and. Um, you know, when I when I when I have that internal resistance, you know, to what's going on around me, and I have to turn it around, you know, so I can get back to the place of acceptance. And so it's it, it's a process that we learn how to come into acceptance. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks, Chris. Okay, next up we have Danae. Danae, good morning. Hi, good morning. Thanks, everyone, for being here. Um, my question is going to be very quick and easy, I hope. Um, I dialed in late. I just recently found these meetings, so thank you, God, for that. And uh, I dialed in a little bit late, but when I came in, I thought I heard something to the effect of a page number out of the big book uh, referring to not telling others what to do. Hopefully I'm not misquoting that because I was just looking up, but um, can you tell me that page number? Yeah, I'm looking right now. Let's see. Um, Yeah, 
maybe I'll text it to you afterwards because I'm. Yeah, I was going to say, Wendy, yeah. <laughs> that's pressure, right? I've been there yeah. before where it's like a humana, okay. humana, humana. Um, yeah, you know, we're going to, Danae, we're going to leave uh, Wendy's uh, number after the end of the recording. If she's kind enough to do that, I think she's a pretty kind woman. But anyway, um, she's going to do that. So then you can text her. She'll, she'll track that down. I'm sure she'll do that for you. So, uh, okay, we have time, you know, for a few more questions if they're, if they're there. Um, so you, you can go ahead and unmute by pressing star one if you have a question for Wendy. Nadia B. Pete. Serena. Nadia. Alexis. Okay, yes, Kareem. Alexis. Kareem, can you spell it? K A R E E M, as in Mary. Oh, Kareem. Okay. Okay, great. Anybody else? Dara M. I heard Dara, and then somebody, I think I heard Dara. Yeah. Deborah M. And then Deborah. Let's stop there, just, just in the interest of time, and uh, we'll see where we go here. So we're just sticking to. Questions uh, for Wendy. We'll start with uh, Pete, followed by Nadia. Good morning, Pete. Good morning, Larry. Thanks for taking the meeting. Appreciate your service. Wendy, thank you so much for your message. It had depth and weight, and I appreciate it. I'm curious. On uh, Our big book tells us that our very lives as ex-problem eaters depends upon our constant thought of others and how we may help meet their needs. Can you tell me how that, what that looks like in your life? Yeah, just, um, you know, just constantly um, trying to serve others instead of my own selfishness. Um, you know, it, it helps in my job, you know, because I am a caregiver now to, to transition to focusing just on the client. Like you, you learn how to leave your, um, your own personal life at the door and you're there just to serve the client. So that has helped me in um you know in sponsee relationships too where where i'm on a call and i'm i'm there to be of service to them i'm not trying to um you know learn how to well i'm learning how to not try to get anything back from the relationship but to be in a state of fullness so you're giving out instead of needing from other people yeah thanks for the question pete uh, okay, next up we have Nadia, followed by Kareem. Nadia, good morning. Good morning, Barry. Thank you so much for your service. And Wendy, thank you for such a heartfelt message of depth and weight. Just really grateful for your share today. I have a practical question. How do you use the instructions of Step 10 when your life gets busy? You know, you started um, describing it a little bit, could you just um, you know elaborate on you know when you're busy, when you can't make that phone call or share with someone, um, just in 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 practice, how does it work for you? I, I carry a notebook so I can jot down things that need to be addressed later on when I have time, um, because I do like if I'm in the middle of something with a client, you know, and something is bothering me, I, I can't stop to, to take care of it. I have to, um, you know, finish meeting the needs of, of who I'm with, and then I can address it later. So I, I do have a bad memory, um, so I have to actually uh, jot down notes, you know, to, to address things later. Uh, thank you for the question. 
Yeah, thanks, Nadia. Okay, we have Kareem followed by Alexis. Kareem, good morning. Uh, and uh, thank you, Wendy, for the talk. Um, my question is about uh, wor worshiping other things. Um, and the question is, is that to me, it's it's not something that comes overnight. It's uh, it's something that's very insidious. And I, I wanted to know, how do you um, deal with uh, thoughts of like uh, uh, dealing with uh, worshiping something else? Uh, is there something other like specifically that you do to guard from that? Because that's a big important thing for me. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think it's just making God a priority so other things don't usurp that place. Like I have to, you know, um, spend my time with God first thing in the morning or, or other things will start crowding in and I'm no longer um, letting God hold that first place, you know. So I, I do have to always be on guard to not let other things um, come in and um, usurp that place because I am prone, you know, to worshiping other things, you know, the people and places and things that happen, you know, that, that um, just start consuming me again. And I have to just continually make sure that my heart is, is set on, on God, you know, on him being first. Hope that's helpful. Yeah, thanks for the question, Kareem. Okay, next up we have Alexis followed by Dara. Alexis, good morning. Happy birthday, Larry. And Thank you. Wendy, you, you're welcome. Wendy, you do have no idea what you've done for me. Um, could you please answer uh, what brought you to the clarity and honesty that you have today? Um, thank you for the question. I, I believe clarity is a gift of the program and a gift of, of God giving you discernment, um, you know, that it's just a, a letting go of the lies and, and learning to recognize, you know, the truth in situations, recognizing God's voice. Um, And, I, and it is a gift. I mean, it's not something that, that I did. That's all. Yeah, thanks for the for the question, Alexis. Okay, next up we, with the question, we have Dara followed by Deborah. Hi, Dara. Oh, can you hear me now? I can. Good morning. Thank you, Larry. Good morning. Happy birthday to you. And um, thank you, Wendy, very much for your share. My name is Dara C. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in uh, Wilmington, Delaware. And um, I heard you mention that you continue on with your sponsees after you get through the steps and you read, you know, other program materials together and you continue to work together. And um, this is something I've been thinking about a lot lately because I'm an overthinker about how logistically it works when you – Fit, especially I'm someone who works full-time, too. I heard you share that you're working. So 
How does it work when you finish up with a sponsee and then you get a new sponsee that you take through the steps, but you're continuing to work with former sponsees? Like, just how do you manage that? Like, does it not mushroom to be many, many, many people that you're talking to regularly? I hope that makes sense. It it does, and thank you for the question. Um, it's constantly, you know, a balancing, you know, juggling act. Um, you know, and, and as time has gone on, you know, I've had to, you know, adjust times to, well, we don't talk as often. Um, you know, we stay in touch a lot through our nightly reviews. Um, you know, and you just pray about each each continued relationship, you know, if, if it's still something that's meeting both of your needs or if it's something that can be discontinued. Um, and I don't take on as many new um, sponsees. Like I usually just have one that's going through the steps at, at a time. Um, but it's just a juggling balancing out. Thanks for the question. Yeah, thank you, Dara. Okay, Deborah, it's your turn. Oh, thank you so much. Good morning. Thank you. I just identify so much with what you said. Thank you for being so honest. You mentioned about um, you can workaholism a little bit. You, you alluded to that. Could you tell me when you know when you move into self-reliance and you just kind of cross that boundary? I have a hard time <laughs> determining when I move into that. I have that... Um, issue too so thank you I, I'm still in the middle of that one um, I still work a lot of hours um, I just you know I'm, it still feels like it's it's God's will you know because the need is so great in this area for caregivers um, but then I'm also you know getting my need to be needed met so there's like a selfish element in it too um, it's just a constant struggle to to find a balance, you know, you know, and if I should let go of of more client, you know, I don't know. It's just um, I'm in that struggle is all I can say, um, you know, and I'm constantly taking it to God and asking for His will, you know, like maybe if my neck. I, I work with dementia clients; um, I, they're on hospice, um, so they do eventually pass, you know, and then I then I can reevaluate the situation whether how much how much um, do I want to take on again, you know, for another client, how much time and stuff. So that's all I've got. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Deborah. Okay, last call, last call. Anyone that has a question for uh, for Wendy, we're going to wrap up here. Go ahead and unmute with uh, by pressing star one. Otherwise, we're gonna we're gonna wrap early today, which is fine too. Heather M. With a question. I'm sorry. Was it Deborah? I missed that. Deborah. Heather M. I don't know how I converted that to Deborah, but Heather, I got you. Anyone else? <laughs> Susan <laughs> Danielle J. Teresa. Susan and Danielle and Teresa. Let's stop there. So I got, uh, thank you guys. That should take us up there. I got Heather, Susan, Danielle, and Teresa. Heather, good morning. Good morning. Happy birthday. And don't worry about getting my name wrong. I've been called worse. 
So my question is just, um, you know, I, I think I heard you just kind of sharing about how you were in and out of the rooms um, and losing weight, but um, not necessarily working the steps. And I just want to know if maybe you could share again a little bit about what brought you to that point of realizing that it was going to have to be the step work. Thanks. Yeah, thank you for that question. Because I, I in the local rooms, I did get abstinent. I did lose the weight. I did get into a healthy body. But I still was not happy. I still um, was not content. You know, I just, I just wanted more. And so then when I started hearing, listening to phone meetings and hearing recovery on the line, you know, turning it, tuning into um, a vision for you and, and hearing what neutrality, emotional sobriety, you know, really sounded like. Uh, and, and I just, it created in me this, this hunger to have what I heard. You know, that's what I want. That's what I've been looking for, you know. And um, so just hearing it, you know, hearing it spoken through other, other voices that were just like me. And um, that's all I've got. Thanks. Yeah, thanks, Heather. Okay, next up at, up at the mic here, we got Susan followed by Danielle. Hi, Susan. Good morning. Hi, Le hi Larry. Thanks for uh, moderating. And Wendy, thank you so much for your lead. I, I had put this meeting on my calendar a, a ways back. Um, it's been a while since I've been to a vision meeting, and wow, I picked the right day. So I related to so much of your story that I, I pretty much just wrote a transcript of everything you said to reread later. But here's my question. At some point, you said you got to a point where you realized that all of the consequences you are now living with as a decision of years of poor choices. And so I'm stuck there, and I'm stuck now with a tremendous amount of grief over my choices and these current consequences. And I, I intellectually accept it, but at an emotional level, I'm really stuck, and I'm wondering if you ever went through that, and um, you know how you how you got past it. Yeah, thank you for that question. Um, so my whole early life was all about running from the consequences, you know, not wanting to face, not wanting to take responsibility, and um, and so when I finally you know surrendered and got in my closet and and turn my life over to God, um, part of that process was accepting all the consequences of my poor choices, you know, the, the gravity of the situations yeah. that, I, that I caused. And so I just um, accepted that as that's the way it works, you know, that that's, we have to accept the consequences of our poor choices, that that's how, that I needed all those consequences to get me to the bottom, you know, that I, I needed the, um, the devastation that I caused to impact me to the point where I could change. And, um, and so, you know, in walking out those, the, those consequences, you know, God's grace is just so evident you know, he does give us the answers, you know, as, as we surrender to him, he does um, 
guide us through all the muck, you know, that we that we created and all the consequences and and um, you know, and, and a lot of it isn't uh, like doesn't take them away, you know. Like I don't all of a sudden get a new body, you know, a new digestive mm-hmm. system because I ruined mine, you know. I yeah. I I but there's. There's just an, an ability to be okay with 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 life now the way it is, you know, like accepting life on life's terms that this is my life now. Yeah, hope that's okay. Helpful. Well, yeah, no, it does. The, the 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 gravity. I think you hit the nail on the head for me. Like I had to get to this place, or I would just still be right. So it's that gift of desperation, that real bottom. Um, okay, well, I appreciate it. Thank you, and have a blessed rest of the day, everybody. Thanks for letting me jump in. You bet. With all these birthdays, I'm losing brain cells here. Did I, was that just Susan? Are we up to Danielle, or was that Danielle? Yes. Danielle, I- did I? Mm-hmm. That, that was Susan? Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Susan. Danielle, your turn, followed by Therese, uh, Teresa. Good morning. Hi, thank you so much. Thank you, Larry, very much. And, and thank you very much, um, Wendy. So my my question is, you had um, kind of alluded to the fact that your children, um, you know, kind of uh, were, you know, forgave you or, you know, embraced um, your changes. And I was just wondering their general attitude towards um, towards your program and, and towards 12 steps and towards the changes and, and how they kind of just, whether they embrace that, uh, the 12 steps, if that's okay to ask. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for that question. Um, and actually, no, none of my family has really, um, embraced my, the way the program, <laughs> you know, the way I, I do life, but they have, you know, forgiven me. They do understand. They see it as really helpful for me, but, um, Maybe they're just not compulsive eaters either, you know. I don't know. Maybe it was just me. Um, they have a, a, you know, I wish they would get into CODA you know, or something like that, you know, but um, but that, that that's their journey. You know, not everybody is, is, needs program, but I, I do. So um, that's all I've got. Thanks. Yeah, thanks so much. Okay, and for our final question, Teresa, <laughs> good morning. Hi, thank you, Larry. This is Teresa M. from Pennsylvania. Thank you, Wendy, um, for sharing with us today. You spoke a lot about um, the truth and being honest with ourselves, and that I struggle with. Um, how how can you tell the difference between when it is your higher powers voice and when it is the disease um, talking to you so that you, you know, really know the truth, whether it's about food or whether it's about anything else in life. Thank you for that question. And that's not an easy question. I mean, just at some point there was an inner knowing that this is God speaking to me right now. Um, just I had a, a recognition inside um, I don't know how else to describe it um, uh, 
um, and a belief too. I guess it's kind of faith that that um, that that really was God. You know, choosing to believe that this this was God that I just heard, instead of just blowing it off. Um, you know, like like in reading different um, literature, just like you know when I was reading the Bible and the words were just coming alive. Um, they were jumping off the pages, just like for the first time I read the big book. The words were just, oh my gosh, that is me. You know, that was God highlighting those words, saying this is for you right now, this minute. This is me telling you the truth. And um, just there was just like an inner knowing. And um, thank you for the question. Yeah, that's a common one, right? <laughs> Not easy to answer, but I think you did a fabulous job in, in answering it. And Wendy, just once again, thank you so much for your sincerity and uh, just the, the integrity and transparency that you in sharing your, your story of transformation. And uh, so we are, we are, we're so indebted to you and appreciative. Um, so let me give you the uh, share ID for this meeting, if you care to listen to it again. Uh, the share ID for this special edition on Sunday, uh, November 27th is 19,681. That's 19681. And we are going to close with a uh, reading from the big book. Uh, it's kind of our namesake here from the chapter called A Vision for You. And then um, after that, we are going to uh, uh, ask for Wendy's contact information. So I will do that reading. Let me flip over here to 164. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.